And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Very excited to be joined today by Mark Lucanbill, who's the founder and CEO of Improve Sports. You know, they have a pretty cool um, problem they're trying to solve. They're trying to get us all doing more in sports. That's a great benefit. They're trying to, you know, market through companies. He's going to tell us more about that today, as long as, as well as his journey of being a startup founder here in the Kansas City area. It's always great when we can highlight uh, local founders here. That's where I'm based. Uh, before we get started today, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. If you're a startup, this is for you. I want to tell you about Gusto. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 300,000 businesses take the pain out of tasks like automated payroll, tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance, 401k, onboarding, you name it, all that junk that you don't want to do. Gusto makes it easy. And they really care about the small business owners they work with. You can get three months free if you go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. That's gusto.com slash startup hustle. There's also a link in the show notes. Mark, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, Matt. Thanks for having me, man. Super honored. Uh, super excited to talk to other entrepreneurs and other people that uh, similar journeys. Welcome. Welcome from Kansas, the home of the Swifties now. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, we have a game tonight, obviously, and I debated wearing my Kelsey jersey to, to this interview and then just putting a little <laughs> T-Swift so in the are- background. <laughs> who are who are listening that aren't sure what we're talking about? You know, Kansas City, of, of course, is home to the famous Travis Kelsey, who is probably in some TV commercials lately, wherever you live. Who is dating? You know, the infamous, famous Taylor Swift. So it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of fun jokes around here in Kansas City right now. I I, I was at the airport and they had a uh, like this was the week of Halloween. They even had pumpkins that were decorated Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Whatever, it was funny. So, yeah, but um. I had a uh, awesome dad moment. My son came in this morning and he's like, he's like, dad, who's Kelsey's girlfriend again? And I was like, yeah, man, that's right. It's Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us a little more about your business and what you guys do at Improve Sports. And by the way, that's improvesports.com and it's spelled M-P-R-U-V sports.com. If you guys want to check it out while you're listening. but Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so we set out on a mission to make uh, sports like golf, tennis, pickleball uh, more accessible, more inclusive for anybody um, as a way to connect people and businesses to instructors. Um, so the idea is that, you know, if anybody is looking to find a coach, whether it's, you know, in their area, in person or virtual or a company that's looking to offer their employees um, fun, physical challenging activities that get them outside of the office, um, we want to bring a tech solution to them, right? I mean, current process of finding lessons in golf, tennis, and pickleball right now is phone calls, calling facilities, seeing if they have local instructors, what's their availability. And then, you know, you, I'm a parent. Most of these individuals, as far as adult education go, have kids or busy schedules. And 
to get a response that says, yeah, I can get you in two Thursdays from now at 10 a.m. Well, if you're like me, I have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow, let alone, you know, two Thursdays from now. Well, and this wasn't just for adult. This isn't just for kids, right? This was for adults too, or both, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Anybody. So, um, you know, we focused on, uh, well, I guess the original start in was adult education, right? Further development for individuals that are either new to the game, wanting to progress in the game or the parent aspect. Um, there's a lot of unique features that we built into the platform that allow parents to find coaches who are safe support certified, who work exclusively with kids that do camps, all kinds of different, uh, outlets that fit the parent's schedule, not necessarily just what's available at the time. But, but why, but why this idea? Why did you start a company trying to solve this problem? Yeah. So, uh, I came from golf. I played since I was a kid. Um, and you know, I've growing up in that sport, you recognize why golf has got the identity and the branding of being an exclusive sport, uh, over the last, you know, two to three decades. Um, I, you know, my story is very unique to me and I'm sure a lot of other people have different unique stories and experiences in the game, but I found it very difficult coming from uh, my family background to get access and opportunities and further education as I progressed in high school golf and competitive tournaments, uh, later on in life. And, uh, previous to that too, I, what I did was my job uh, prior to this company was supply chain technology. Uh, so I helped companies commercialize transportation tech that connected, uh, shippers, people that manufacture and distribute items to actual carriers. And I've coached also, so like three kids coached all their sports as well. And, um, as I started to, you know, um, progress in my coaching career, I, with my kids youth sports, I recognized the exact same challenges that were in the transportation world, um, as a technology bridge between the actual individual that wants the service and the service provider. Um, and then I started to see what COVID was doing for golf and these other sports about allowing younger, more diverse individuals into the game. Um, so I started talking to our local pros here in Kansas city and saying, Hey, you know, what exists for individuals that want to buy right now? Right. And turns out there wasn't a product out there. And, um, so obviously building something that helps further a mission that's really near and dear to my heart was no brainer for us. So when you. When you decided to take the plunge and do this, did you start this by yourself or you have other co-founders? No, uh, just me. So and my okay. wife, my wife's, you know, huge rock. And, um, I credit a lot of the idea to her and, uh, she, you know, she's been just a tremendous support system for us, but, uh, she believes in this, this, this journey as well. You know, like she thinks that this is definitely something that people need and that could help build, you know, jobs in our community, but also allow more individuals to get involved and utilize sports the way that they want to. And so I built the company over the last um, two or three years by myself, bootstrapped it, building all the tech platforms, uh, launching the beta product. Um, but as we learned through our beta experience, how that we're, we plan to go out nationwide and expand uh, the company, I most recently brought on a co-founder, a gentleman okay. by the name of Matt Dowd, who's um, helped me tremendously. So I'm like very much like vision, right? Like I know what I want to accomplish. I know how it's going to benefit, not necessarily just me, but the entire community itself. Um, he's very much COO operations tactic. Like here's the plan that we need to lay in place in order to accomplish our goal. And so your, your background is in, you are a software developer? Uh, no, software commercialization. So I take companies oh, okay. that have an MVP all the way from MVP to alpha to beta. Okay. To so yeah. how did you build the software then? So it's, it's a challenging story. Uh, so I found a gentleman on LinkedIn uh, out of Perry to build the original version of the, the product, which was a website, um, Improve Golf, which at that time was called Divot until we found out Divot was trademarked and taken. Um, 
so we built a website and then we were like, Hey, we got, you know, a lot of interest in this. Let's go out and get some funding and, you know, take this thing big. Uh, we had an initial investor that was interested in our company, but, uh, this was back in 2021, uh, said he wanted to take the entire round, but we had to build an app. So we had to scrap the website and we had to build an app because in 2021, everybody needed an app. Right. And at the time we're like, Hey, he's going to write us a big check. Why not? Right. So through the local startup community, which um, we'll talk a little bit about later, you know, resources that Kansas City offers for its uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem, uh, I found an individual that ran an incubator here in Kansas City um, and gave him 10% of the company to build us an app. And um, so we did that over the next two years. And it was tough because like from golf, right, and building, and we started with just a golf specific product, which, um, you know, obviously now our platform encompasses multiple sports, but uh, golf has its own language, right? Its own lingo, its own world. And then yeah. talking to somebody who's never picked up, you know, a golf club in their life. It's and, and as most entrepreneurs know who are building tech companies, if you're the visionary, right? And you have somebody developing your product, you tell them what you want built. They hear 80% of it. If they have other developers, they tell their other developers 60% of it and end up building 40% of it. And it's just a circle that you go around and around in, right? So we spent two years doing that. Um, we released the product in February and February of this year, 2023. And as most of you listening know, the world completely changed over the last two years and nobody wants apps anymore. I don't want an app either, you know? So uh, we launched the beta. We had great traction in the beta, but we found that the user experience with a React Native app wasn't the path forward. And the original hypothesis of improved sports and multiple sports products underneath it. Uh, wasn't the right path forward because what if a coach wanted to coach multiple sports or a player wanted to learn multiple sports? Uh, yeah. So we made a pivot and we were building a, a progressive web app. So kind of full, full circle back to our website um, and are launching the improved sports platform in January. So after a couple of years, you raised some capital, you paid a guy to make a version of it. And then I also heard you said you gave up 10% of the company to pay some other guy to build the app. And then I bought and then, him out. And then didn't end up using either one of those. No. And then I, I bought him out of the equity. And now we have another development company that's uh, building the PWA. Building software is a pain in the neck, isn't it? Crazy, man. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I like your description earlier about the 80%, 60%, 40%, because there's a lot of truth in that for sure. And, you know, I've been building software for 20 years. And I guess that's part of the advantage for me. And I guess why I've been successful is. I can go tell the developers 100% of it because I know what needs to be built, how I want to build it, and I can communicate it to them. Yep. But for other people, it definitely you have that kind of game of telephone, right? Where you tell somebody, they, they understand most of it or sort of half of it, and then they tell somebody else who understands half of it or most of it. And then what's great about software developers is they also just, no matter how many times you tell them, they also just a lot of times don't understand certain things because they're so logical and uh, if you don't tell them exactly how to do things, a lot of times they they don't put two and two together. So it's a personality quirk of a lot of them as well. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, it, uh from from somebody who's never built tech before, I learned so much through that, right? Because like for me, I'm like, hey, just build a platform that connects players to coaches, and then he's like, well, what about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Like, you know, what if they they want to negotiate, or what if they cancel a request last minute? What happens? All these what yeah, if scenarios, all that the you don't things about, right? All the things. Which then turns into larger scope and larger, you know, timelines oh, yeah. and all that. So well did you so along the way there, did you end up building a bunch of features and functionality to kind of overcomplicate it that you didn't need? Like Absolutely. eventually figure, oh man, we spent all this time building this stuff that 
we didn't actually even need. Absolutely. And, you know, credit to the, you know, the gentleman that built our app, um, you know, he was, he's been in the startup world before and uh, looking back, like, you know, I wish I would have listened to him a little bit more right in the beginning. Uh, he mentioned, he's like, Hey, you know, are the customers telling you to build this or is this just like a, and for me, yeah. like we had a decent data set. I mean, we had what, like 600 people, I think. Um, but I was listening to like five and like the same five, you know, right? Uh, because like we, I, I guess in the beginning, our hypothesis is like we need to cater to coaches um, because if the coaches aren't there, then, you know, students are going to come in. They're not going to have anybody to, you know, fulfill the request, uh, which is not right. I mean, we learned through our, our onboarding process that, yeah, we've got a lot of great features for coaches. Um, it's very low risk. There's no barrier to entry. Uh, but if we have the student side, the coaches are going to come. Right. I mean, it just makes more sense if the money exists in the platform, the service providers are going to want to facilitate it because it's there. So we built all these features for coaches that two of them used, you know, that we spent months and months. Yeah. And months and yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and he lesson me, right there. Yeah. And he did. He's like, you know, hey, is this is this what everybody wants or is this just what a few people want? And unfortunately, it was, you know, I didn't listen to that early on. And it cost obviously a lot of time and money. So. And that's really hard. There's there's one other thing here I want to dig on that I think is really common for a lot of entrepreneurs that are trying to build what I would call marketplace kinds of businesses. So you have to find coaches and you have to find the people who want a coach. I met with somebody last week that was trying to do something around staffing. So he's like, hey, I got to find hospitals that want to use the product and I got to find nurses that want to use the product, right? These, these kinds of businesses, I feel like are almost twice as hard because you have to have like two sales and marketing strategies. It's almost like twice as hard to me. So I'm, I'm curious what kind of lessons you've learned from this, this part of it so far. Yeah. Uh, one-to-one marketing is super hard. Finding the individuals is very, very difficult, right? If we looked at like our customer acquisition costs for an individual that wants to take a golf lesson, like it's super hard. You can't just do a blanket marketing campaign and hope people show up, right? Um, we put on tons and tons of events. We went to, we sponsored a bunch of tournaments. We, you know, boots on the ground, a lot of different places. And, you know, maybe three or four, like, yeah, absolutely. I'll go in and take it. And then we've got 20 coaches in there that are just waiting for lessons. And then if, you you know, if you're not giving them what they want, they're going to bounce out. They're not going to update the app. They're not going to log in because they're not getting requests. And it is, it's a very fine line to build them up at the the exact same time. Right. Right. So how did did you ultimately solve that? If If I remember right from talking before, did you make a little bit of a pivot that helped solve part of this? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we, and, um, it's very unique to do you, our, do business. you call it a divot instead of a pivot in this case? <laughs> I don't know if we can say that. Like, I think it's trademarked, but we, we literally went like went down the path of like figuring out, like if we could even use it <laughs> in any of our language, but, uh, yeah. So like one of the things, uh, was a re- it's a really interesting story. Um, so we met up with a gal uh, named Jody Neiman. She's, um, a former two-time NCAA golf collegiate champion. She was on the LPGA for a few years, um, won a few times had some kids, got married, and then ended up, it was a bad situation. She had to be mom. She left the tour and 20 years raising her kids. Kids are all grown up now. She didn't tell anybody what she was doing. She just went out and requalified for the tour just to see if she could do it. And she's going back out on Legends of the PGA in 2024. Um, so she heard about us and what we were doing. She reached out and said, hey, you know, maybe this is this is something I believe in personally, her and um, you know, wanted to be a part of the company. And so she's one of our strategic advisors. Well, that 20 year period where she wasn't golfing, uh, she was in the HR world, the human resources world. And she reached out and she's like, Hey, like, 
since COVID, since this whole remote hybrid workforce model that's in place, like companies are struggling to find outlets for their employees that get them away from the computer, right? We all right. spend hundreds of hours a week right here behind this all day long, right? Um, and plus, like if you think about, you know, from a recruiting perspective, how do I get top tier talent? Well, golf is a, is a perfect example of a sport that's utilized to progress professional development, right? If there's at an executive level, even at a customer level, um, golf is just a common language that corporate America speaks. And she's like, have you thought about implementing um, this, this lesson program uh, in the corporate world? And we hadn't. And um, so we went out, we did some A-B testing. We talked to a few companies local here in Kansas City and they're like, yeah, absolutely. This makes 100% sense to us. And so um, we did, we, we said, you know, we're not going to focus on the one-to-one customers. I mean, they'll come hopefully through word of mouth and, you know, just general marketing campaigns, but let's deploy a sales force, right? Let's go out and let's start selling this thing to insurance brokers, to companies for discretionary spending, for recruiting or sales. And so we deployed a sales team. We do lesson packages as benefits now and also custom team building events where we bring some coaches out. And what I love about this is your general idea that you wanted to solve was a great idea, but a lot of times the problem is the go-to-market strategy. Like I, I talk about this a lot on LinkedIn. If you guys don't follow me on LinkedIn, search for Matt Watts on LinkedIn, follow me. But um, a lot of times the idea or building the best thing is not really the solution. You have to be the best known for what you do. And you, you've got to figure out a go-to-market strategy. And as you said earlier, like you know, finding the random kid or the random adult that wants a golf coach is kind of hard to do. And you're like, you were able to pivot and find a different go-to-market strategy. And now, you know, the, the, you talk about your company being defensible and, and unique and all that stuff. A lot of times what you're, you're doing, the uniqueness now is maybe the go-to-market strategy. Like there could be other platforms out there that have coaching and stuff. But if you, you know, corner the market around this part of it, um, that what, that's what makes you more unique than potential other competitors or other options is your go-to-market strategy becomes a big part of the uniqueness of the business. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, that's, I think even for a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to this, when you get to that part in your pitch deck, uh, where you have that competitor matrix, right. Um, and I did this in the beginning, right. There was a lot of fluff and, you know, I have, there's three other companies that I can think of that are very similar to what we do. Right. Um, uh, so I'm like, okay, well, how do I just fluff it up to say that I'm different and better, you know, uh, versus actually figuring out a way to be different and better. And so like, as opposed to just thinking about like, well, mine's going to be the most cost effective or mine's going to be the easiest to use. It's right. Like figure out a better go to market strategy, figure out a better customer acquisition strategy or coach acquisition strategy, and then put that in your deck. Well, and it also highlights that the more people you talk to, the more ideas you get, right? You got this idea, you know, kind of indirectly from this, the, the lady you described earlier and, and sometimes that that's the key to business and entrepreneurship is the more p- people you talk to, the more ideas you get. And sometimes you just never know. And you're like, light bulb goes off. You're like, man, that was the thing I needed. And, and, uh, that's, that's one of the best, the best things. Yep. For sure. So I, I love what you're doing because it provides something unique. So my company full scale is in the Philippines. We have 300 employees to do software development for other people. And it would be great if, if I could provide a benefit to them. And let's say the benefit, I don't know what, what you charge for this, but I'm just going to pretend it costs $50 a month. Well, out of my 300 employees, not all 300 of them are going to use it, right? So it's mm-hmm. not going to cost me 15 grand a month. But let's say 20 of my employees, you know, or 30 of them, maybe 10% of them want to do it. It costs me $1,500 a month to provide this kind of cool benefit. 
to them, right? And I, I really like that. And and I think we need, you know, companies are looking for weird, different kind of benefits like this that they can provide. And some of the other benefits they provide these days are things around therapy or, you know, mental health things, like all sorts of different things that companies are trying to provide. So you're just like another one of those cool benefits and perks now that HR teams can offer. Yep. Yep. I mean, think about like from a recruiting perspective, you know, like if there's a clear career development path in place, like you have something different that you can offer. Like if you're a middle tier IT staffing company, right, you've got to compete with Deloitte and Ernst Young and all these big guys that have huge portfolios that want to attract top talent, but you want to get talent in there as well. Right. I mean, think about yeah. like, Hey, we can put you through an entire golf curriculum, get you playing, get our customers out of the office. I mean, this is something that not necessarily, um, it, yeah, it obviously relates positive impact to the job, but then their personal development too. Like I think a lot of these individuals, myself included, we use golf as a stress relief and pickleball yeah. tennis, you know? Um, so this is Love something to take outside of the office as well. Well, I know you're curious, Mark. Do you want to know what fellow founders say about Gusto? I they do. say that they now think of payroll as a 30 second job. You could do payroll in 30 seconds. What do you think? They say that the website is friendly and a joy to use and that Gusto has the best support team. Whenever something comes up, you can reach out and literally less than 24 hours later, it's handled. Smart technology and friendly humans. That's pretty cool, right? Right now, our listeners can get three months free when you go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Three months of payroll, benefits, admin, and more. Gusto.com slash startup hustle. See, we need to get Gusto to include to, Tim to provide improve sports in there, right? Like that's the next thing. You got to go to Gusto and get them on board. Yeah. So uh, we're going to do a little uh, Easter egg here for my COO to see if he actually listens to this podcast because we are looking at uh, companies specific for this. And so Matt, yeah, uh, check out Gusto. And if we do, give me the code that Matt just mentioned. <laughs> All right. If he slacks me. So you mentioned earlier the Kansas City Entrepreneurship uh, community and ecosystem. And you already mentioned that, you know, you did find a local developer to help you. You found another local dev agency that you said was like an incubator or something that helped you. Tell us a little more about your experience and the benefits that you've had from the startup community here. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that I could say is that, um, that these people here, they want to help. We, if people think about tech startups, the first thing that comes to mind is Silicon Valley, right? Like all San Francisco's producing, Palo Alto's producing tech companies. People don't think about the Midwest as, as a tech hub. And I feel like I feel like we have just as much opportunity and the ideas that we're creating here to be as impactful as those companies that have came out of the West Coast. Uh, but we might not get the same type of visibility that they do, right? Um, perception can be the death of your business. And, and if you're not taking advantage of the opportunities that exist, I mean, it's all on you to take a step forward. But Kansas City does a really good job of providing those opportunities to us entrepreneurs. So uh, if you're not familiar with KC SourceLink, it's a great tool um, to utilize their website. They, put, they publish a calendar of like um, happy hour events or, you know, just a uh, fun little things that you can get involved in to meet the local community itself. Uh, if you're local to Kansas City, UMKC has got a great tech program as well. Uh, the folks at Digital Sandbox are amazing. If you're not familiar, we went through the digital sandbox process and it was a huge jump start for us uh, in our business. Um, and then outside of Kansas city too, right? So like take it just a little bit further. Um, I've been a big part of Douglas County core. If you're not familiar with Douglas County, that's where Lawrence is and KU. Um, they're building an entrepreneurial ecosystem that just started about last year, right? They're really starting to put resources into it. 
Um, but they have a common problem. It's not just existing in Douglas County. I think it exists here in, in Kansas City as well, is that you know, we produce really good talent. And then after we produce this talent, whether it's through UMKC or KU or uh, the surrounding schools, we leave. They all leave. They go to Chicago. They go to Dallas. They go to Austin. They, they get their yep. out, right? Um, and their whole goal is like, how do we retain that talent and build our community here? So what resources can we put together to offer these guys and gals um, reasons to stay and to build their companies here to obviously create jobs in the community? Um, so Douglas County Core is a great resource too, but you know, it's, it's really just about taking advantage, right? Just making sure they're all welcoming, just go, you know? Well, I think, I think the key is if you're listening today, no matter where you live, there are these kinds of programs more often than not, even if you don't know about them, right? There may be angel groups, angel tax credits, like state funding grants, different startup competitions, um, you know, in Kansas City, we have uh, Kaufman and they do different things. And we have the um, pipeline that is like a coaching, mentoring sort of educational system you can go through. There's Hemp, which is a different uh, Hellsberg entrepreneurship mentoring program. So, but wherever you live, there are different things like this. And they're really, really valuable resources. And the best thing you, you, you can do is just go out and start talking to people and asking other business leaders and entrepreneurs in the community to find these resources if you're not familiar with them. Um, and it sounds like, Mark, they, they were, have been helpful to you and continue to be helpful to you, which is awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one thing that's important is people want to hear about your business, right? Like think about like just other entrepreneurs in general, right? Like for us, we're at a point right now. Um, we're looking to grow our partnership ecosystem. Like that's how we're going to get our name nationwide. So I want to talk to other businesses that might touch our business and find a way to help them. Therefore, in turn, selfishly helping ourselves. But aside from that, I mean, the community itself, they want to know about you because if there's, they might not be interested themselves, but they might know somebody who might be interested. Yeah. There might be a conversation they had a couple of days ago about a guy who's looking to invest in fintech. And if you've got a fintech product and you talk to somebody, as long as you're consistently bringing up your business the value of what you're trying to provide. People want to hear about it. Well, a lot of people like startups. They like cool new stuff, you know, especially if they work in the big corporate world, which is boring and nothing ever changes. They, you know, startups are exciting, right? And yeah. and I would say if you're listening out there and you want to help other startups, the best thing you can do is just be their first customer. Yeah. You know, that you know, you don't need to invest in them. You want to you want to provide more benefit to them. Don't invest in them. Be their customer. They need revenue more than they yep. need investors, right? Yep. Just like you. I'm sure you'd love to have some big company that's listening right now go to improvesports.com be like, "Hey, we want to find, you know, provide this as a benefit to our employees." Um, that's what you need more than anything. You need customers. So, if you really want to help another startup, just be their customer and give them feedback. That's what they yeah. need more than anything. And reviews, right? I mean, like after you're done, put a positive Google review yeah. out there. It doesn't take more than five minutes to do it, right? But that's so impactful to a small business, you know. And if you're and if you're feeling generous with five star reviews, please leave our podcast a five star review. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, did you did I did I hear you say you went to Global Entrepreneurship Week? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because a lot of people listening probably don't know about that either. And I don't. I, I guess it's global. It's not just a Kansas City thing, right? It is, yeah. In fact, uh, that was a crazy week for me because we um, were lucky enough to be a part of two Wichita um, accelerators or cohorts, whatever you want to call it, uh, provided by Nextus out of Wichita. So one of them was accessing growth capital. We had our um, into our cohort on Monday, the thirteenth. Uh, we were down in Wichita. We pitched to a group of angel investors, a little small elevator pitch. Um, we get to go back in December and do a full formal deck pitch uh, to them. 
Uh, and then back Tuesday for local entrepreneurial um, events here in Kansas City. Wednesday morning was One Million Cups. If you're not familiar with that, that is a great opportunity for it's um, just about every Wednesday. Go to their site. Um, if, if I can't remember the site off, off the top of my head, but Matt will drop it down in the bottom. But uh, And just sit and listen to, to companies. These are entrepreneurs that are just there talking about their business, wanting community feedback. And usually there's free coffee and donuts. So that's why they call it uh, One Million Cups. But the folks are tremendous there. And they... They help like it, it's more of like an interactive feedback, almost like a focus group, if you will. You pitch your business, you talk to other uh, community members, and they give you real candid tips that you need that you could obviously take to incorporate in your business. Then I was back to Wichita for um, uh, the next uh, enterprise engagement series where we got to pitch in front of 200 people on Wednesday and then for Douglas County Core event Wednesday night. Uh, and then we had alt cap on, on Thursday and then we put on another event. Yeah. So global entrepreneur week, um, was last week in Kansas city. It's also, uh, throughout obviously the entire uh, nation here, but make sure you're yeah, following it's global. these resources. Yeah. So like just go to their site, sign up for their newsletter. You know, you might've missed it this year, so, but don't miss it next. Yeah. So it's, it's in November every year. So if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur and you're like, Hey, I wish I, I would have taken advantage of this thing. It'll be next November. So wherever you live, keep it in mind for next November. So, so you went to a few different things related to Global Entrepreneurship Week. I'm curious, what was there one specific thing that you got a lot of value out of it? Did you find a potential customer, or a potential partner, like you know, did a potential new employee or whatever? Did you was there like a big takeaway there? Yeah. So, well, I mean, and it was the Wichita one where we um, we were invited to Car- uh, Cargill's. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was their headquarters, but it was a. Uh, one of their facilities down in Wichita and we got to present and um, Nextus, if you're not familiar with Nextus, NXTUS is a phenomenal entrepreneurial resource as well. And um, Wichita is just a short little two, two and a half hour track too. And they want, it doesn't matter. You're just because you're in Kansas city doesn't mean you're not a part of, you know, Kansas city and Wichita, I think does a really good job of helping any entrepreneur no matter where they're from. But anyways, uh, the biggest thing is just pitching your business, right? Telling your story and, one of the things that Matt really helped me with in the beginning, Matt, my co-founder that I brought on, um, there's a TED talk, uh, which I'll send you afterwards that talks about how like selling the why first, right? The why about your business before anything else. And so for me, I incorporated that a lot into my pitch and you start telling stories about why you're doing what you're doing, right? So it doesn't matter that I'm building a tech platform, connecting players to coaches. It's the fact that I'm driving individuals that might not have had the same opportunities and resources and providing a spot for them to learn. That's more important than the actual tech itself and telling those stories when you get on stage and not being afraid to talk about the why behind your product. I had 15 or 20 people come up to me afterwards and talking to me about personal experiences that they had growing up in sports or looking for opportunities for their children, but they can't get scheduling worked out or they don't like the opportunities that exist based on coaching fit. Um, So one of the biggest things that I've learned is like we've talked about, I think theme throughout the thing is not being afraid to talk to people. Right. Um, don't cut it short. If you have a stage, you have like a, a platform to talk about your business, make sure you're talking about why you're doing what you're doing. Absolutely. So one thing we you mentioned to me earlier before we hit record was uh, you felt like you went through a, a period of your entrepreneurial journey as a yes man. Yeah. 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 Tell, so, tell us about that. Yeah. So I, and I think I forget how long ago the, the movie came out, but um, uh, if you haven't watched it, it's a tremendous watch. It's funny. It's a cheesy comedy uh, called Yes Man with Jim Carrey. And basically the point of the show, the point of the movie is that um, he just, he goes to this seminar and it's a, you know, corny deal, but basically they're like, Hey, if you get an opportunity to say yes, no matter what it is and just see what happens in your life. Right. 
um, when I was watching that movie, I recognized that I became a no person to that point. Like previously and early on in my career, I was really successful. And then I, my head got really big and I started like almost being too good for opportunities, being very picky and choosy of what I was doing, which led to, to bridges, led, led to roadblocks in my development. And so I saw that movie and I was like, you know what? It's like, if I need to get out of this rut, if I'm ever going to be what I want to be in my life, I need to start just taking advantage of every opportunity that comes my way. So I did. So like, that's how I, the philosophy that I live my life, if somebody presents an opportunity to me, I'm going to say yes, right? More times than not, it's going to be a positive experience. I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to learn something that I didn't know previously. And, and if it is a negative experience, at least I know that I don't want to do that again. So that's a positive benefit, right? I have a 20-year-old daughter and we're in this kind of like weird phase of her life, which is like every 20-year-old is, and they don't know what they want to do, you know? Um, and my advice to her was go get 15 different jobs, you know? And if you don't like it, quit, go get another one, right? Because then you're at least finding 15 things that you don't want to do yeah. versus just spinning your wheels saying, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do with my life? Just go try a bunch of different things. You'll find a fit eventually, you know? Well, I think this perspective and attitude is important for entrepreneurs because you never know, like we talked about earlier, where those ideas are going to come from, the networks, the relate, you know, the, the people you meet, all this kind of stuff. And my very first business was came out of this. I was selling computers at Sears and somebody came in that had worked at a car dealership and they had built some software. They had some software that that they ran at the dealership and that's what they were buying the computer for. And and the guy just told me that the guy who wrote the software was kind of crazy and fled the country and he was nervous about this database. And and I was just like, maybe I can help you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? You just literally never know. But I think I think that's part of why I've been successful in my career is I've always just said, yes, I always try and help people. I always, I always try and do too much probably, right? But always looking for opportunities. And a lot of times you never know how those things are going to work out. Like I had breakfast with a guy last week. I did not know him. I randomly just met with him. And he told me about this business idea he had. And so I told him like, you know what? I will post on LinkedIn and Facebook for you. And say, hey, um, this guy's looking for a co-founder to build the software that does this kind of thing. And so I did. The next day, I posted on LinkedIn. And like three hours later, somebody I knew messaged me and said, hey, Matt, I built the exact software that this guy wants five years ago from somebody else. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Perfect. You need to go talk to this guy who wants to start a company doing the same thing because you have super invaluable experience from this. And so you're talking about the community, bringing it back to the community. It felt so good for me to make that connection. Sure. And he asked me, he's like, Matt, what do you want for this? I don't like, I don't want anything. You know, you know, if full scale can help you later, just keep us in mind, whatever. I don't care. These sort of things usually pay themselves back in spades over time. Yep. And, um, I love being in the community and being that, that, connector and, and just saying yes to people, meeting with people, and you never know where, you know, where it's going to help out. And maybe it helps full scale later, you know, as a byproduct, right? And usually it does. Absolutely. He'll never forget that experience, right? And then so yeah. if it does ever come to the, at least he knows what you do. And um, when it comes to that point, you're going to be the first person he thinks of, right? And I hope so. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that's the biggest message is that you do these things, not expecting a return. And most of the yeah. time, more often than not, the return comes, right? You just give and give and give. Um, yeah. And you know what? It's, it's rewarding too. Like you'll feel that you like, you're feeling so much better about yourself and your business. And you take like the positive experience that you have offering help to somebody else. And you, you use that in your business and your professional development. Right. And we have, 
you know, we're in an inter- interesting spot right now. We've got um, 11 employees where we didn't have just me wow. earlier this year. Yeah. Um, and I try to, I try to teach that to my, to my team too, as well. Right. Is that like, when you're out talking to people, you know, just, just see what you can do to help them because more times than not, again, the same thing, they're going to think of you yeah. and say, Oh, you know what? I want to, I want to repay you. Right. Like I have a buddy that's interested in lessons. Let me give you his number. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, again, it's, it's, it's all about like, how do we grow one, this local community in Kansas city, but then two ourselves professionally, because if you're happy, then you're going to produce good work and you know, positive things will happen. So we talked about some of the benefits of this, the Kansas city startup community and global entrepreneurship week and all these different things. I'm curious, what do you see as the cons of Kansas city for a startup? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of, inve- a lot of uh, entrepreneurs are, are seeing that right now, just with, I think it's weird what happened over the last couple of years, but we're not a real big hub for money. Um, and it's tough for entrepreneurs to find the right funding in Kansas city and, you know, in the Midwest in general, um, I would love to take local money. Right. But it gets to the point now where you, you meet, you talk to some individuals and just based on the, uh, the state of the economy, maybe they're not expanding their portfolio. They're only investing in current companies. Um, and I think one of the things that's changed over the last couple of years that we found is that, uh, here anyways, um, angel doesn't really mean angel anymore. I think entrepreneurs in that kind of precede initial concept, uh, which I think most, where most of your listeners might come from, um, they're trying to get that initial funding, right. To go out and really see if their product has legs. Uh, that used to be the angel community where you went out to, right. Um, and now right. we're finding that just based on, you know, whatever it is, these angel investors, they want to see a little more traction. They want to see a little bit more proof. You're not really getting that big idea fund. Um, that we used to have, you know, call it 2020, 2021, previous to that as well. Um, so if anybody's in that pre-seed or that, you know, kind of idea concept phase looking for money, um, it's challenging. It is challenging here in Kansas City. But what I found is that these startup competitions, these pitch competitions, these uh, grants, right, the Small Business Association, um, even applying for angel tax credits uh, through through Kansas right now, is if you're on the Kansas side, it's a tremendous program because that gives you something different. Um, they hear hundreds and hundreds of pitches a week and you have to make sure that if you want anything further, you're going to have to stand out, right? Uh-oh. My dog just came in. <laughs> um, <laughs> she knows how to open my door. It's crazy. Uh, but anyways, but also like if, if you find yourself at the end of the road, don't be afraid to go outside of Kansas City. You know, I exhaust all your resources here first if you can, Right. Uh, but there's also like Omaha has a great angel network and Minnesota and uh, Dallas area as well. And that, like, so there was, yeah, there, there was an event, uh, last week or maybe this week before I'm losing track of time now that's in Kansas city every year. It's called mid by Midwest Mid-by, yeah. and it's really cool. They'll take 50 to a hundred local entrepreneurs and they bring in 50 to a hundred VCs, private equity, angel groups, all this stuff and bring them to Kansas city together and do like a speed networking event. And I, I met a lot of um, investors that came from out of state, came to Kansas City, and they want to invest in Kansas City. They would actually rather invest in Kansas City companies than companies on the coast. And part of the reason why is the lower cost of doing business. The valuations tend to be lower, right? And so they're able to, you know, make more investments and own, you know, higher percentage of these companies too. And they think, Midwestern companies are a little more scrappy 
you know, and aren't going to spend the the big dollars that a lot of the big companies in, in California do. So I think there's a lot of investors that want to invest in uh, Midwest companies, but it it's knowing who they are. And anyways, that event mid by Midwest and all the um, investors that come to that event is definitely a list of them to look at if somebody's looking for that uh, capital. Yep. hundred percent. You know, I, I, that was going to be the next point was that I don't think it's a bad thing, right? I mean, the money's coming to Kansas City, right? But the fact that we might go outside to find it is not a negative on our community. Again, that's just getting capital dollars in the Kansas City community and allowing companies like myself and other local entrepreneurs to thrive, you know? Well, and, and the realization that not every company is going to raise capital, right? It's like 1% to 10% of them or something to do. And you can bootstrap companies. I bootstrapped my first company to, you know, doing $30 million a year in revenue. We bootstrapped the thing. Um, you can bootstrap companies. You don't have to go raise a lot of money. And there's times where it makes more sense to bootstrap, and there's times where it makes sense that you have to raise a lot of money. So um, it, it takes both. And I think as an entrepreneur – you got to, at some point in time, you got to stop chasing money and you got to start chasing customers and figure out other ways to do it. And I think that's been your path, right? You're like, we just got to figure out a way to do this and make it work. And you've, you've been able to largely kind of bootstrap it, right? You haven't taken a major investors, nope, right? Not at all. Nope. Uh, lucky, lucky enough to be successful enough earlier in my career. And then again, have a wife that supports the idea uh, to allow us to dump our savings into this. But but you're right. So like in the beginning, when we built the initial app, um, the idea was like, let's go raise a pre-seed round, right? Because we've got this cool idea and this concept. And I started talking to, uh, to angel groups and VCs and every, it was the exact same thing. Show me traction, show me traction, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, why, why am I doing this? Why am I spinning my wheels, getting the exact same answers? Let's get the beta launch. Let's go out and prove the concept. Because, you know, again, I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to get over that milestone is that you might think it's a great idea, but until somebody pays you for your idea, yeah. it's just an idea, right? Um, so that's what we did. And we're like, you know what? It's fine. We got a little money still left in the savings. Let's go out. Let's launch it. Let's make sure this thing works. And and that's what we did. And so we, we found that it was successful and people want uh, an easy on-demand solution to learn. And uh, Do you see yourself raising money in the future? Yeah. So we, uh, we actually, with the conclusion of this um, Access and Growth Capital cohort, we are launching around right now. Um, okay. So we have, again, this unique opportunity to grow this, this corporate segment. Now you have traction. And we do. And I want to bring on a sales staff to help us you know, facilitate this. And I think that we can you know, obviously spread this thing nationwide through our corporate sales, but we need the infrastructure and the team and the marketing in place to do so. Well, awesome. Well, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Gusto. If you're looking for an all-in-one HR platform, it's time to check out Gusto. You have everything you need in just a few clicks of a button. You'll even get three months free when you go to gusto.com slash startup hustle. Again, that's gusto.com slash startup hustle, or you can find the link in the show notes. Go switch to Gusto so your small company can offer big time benefits without an HR department. And one of those benefits needs to be improved sport. So I hope you can uh, call them up. That would be the ultimate uh, channel partner for you right there. Yeah, these HR we're, companies. We're going to do a call back to Matt right here. If you hear that, Matt, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the other the Matt. The other Matt. The other Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I always like to ask people on the way out if you have any, any final words of wisdom or tips out there for other entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing, man, like, like you heard me mention it throughout the podcast is if you get an opportunity, you know, you're going to be tired. This is a, not an easy thing. An entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is exhausting. You, 
my, my Matt, right? He says this, and I think a lot of people in this community have heard it, but an entrepreneur is somebody who's willing to work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week. Well, that's me. There right? you go. Um, but no matter how tired you are, no matter, you know, if negative feelings and the, the traction's not coming or whatever, you're spinning your wheels, go, go. If you get an opportunity to meet somebody, talk to somebody, be a part of an event uh, that's benefiting entrepreneurs, go do it. Most of the time, 99% of the time, you're going to find value in it. And maybe that could be the conversation that leads you to success. You just never know. Yep. You just never know. Well, again, everybody, this was Mark Lukenbill, his company, Improve Sports. You can check them out. It's mpruvsports.com. Should also be a link in the show notes. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. Matt, thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk about our business. And I love what you guys are doing. Hopefully we get to a point where we can use full scale later down the line too. And um, just glad that we were able to come on and share our story. All right. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.